You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrichini, and Alex Hoffman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 73 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with one of my co-hosts, Peter Barracchini. And Peter, uh, Alex, off on vacation this week out in Kelowna, the first one since COVID started, uh, getting, into the, uh, getting into the juice a little early tonight. So uh, he'll be he'll he's be feeling back. it. He'll, he's feeling it, but he'll be back next week. That's what vacation's all about. Oh, God, um, yeah. How are you this week? Oh. Uh, well, I, I got to start following Alex's footsteps and maybe plan a vacation of my own and maybe get a little bit, you know, have a little fun with the, the alcohol and, you know, get into that mindset a little bit. But no, I'm, I'm doing good, you know. Um, can't complain. Um, it, it's coincidental because usually every single episode, you and Alex already got a, you know, a drinky poo, as Mr. Leahy would say, in your hands last week um so the one episode that alex is in here i finally have a drink with me and he's not here to share this with but you know what it is what it is that this drink is for you alex and you know you know me with all my music right like i'm a big music guy Mm -hmm. and there was a performance by ed sheeran at the Brit Awards where he brought in a band that I listened to bring me the horizon. And they did a fantastic rendition. Well, of his uh, song, bad habits. And I, that song was finally released on download. I didn't know when, but it was already out, but I downloaded that. And I've been listening to that nonstop where my play count is probably at like 250, 300, because that song's always on repeat, perfect balance of everything. So Big shout out to Ed Sheeran and Bring Me the Horizon because that was a fantastic mashup. It'll be on your uh, 2022 Spotify wrapped number one song. Yeah. One week, one week, and that's already going to be number one. Uh, yeah, no, and uh, toast to Alex, who's probably tearing it up in Kelowna right now. Um, yeah. Absolute beauty, uh, but uh, we're definitely going to miss him this week. As for my week, um, as you guys know, I went away last week on a little mini vacation with my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, I've been battling the horrid COVID. I believe it's the Omicron. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I tested positive. <laughs> I tested positive, and and my son tested positive, and you and I were talking about it before the show. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of shitty. Uh, more so for my son because he's obviously, you know, he's under two, unvaccinated. Um, myself, you know. I'll put it out there. I'm, I'm triple vaxxed. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think if I hadn't been, it would have hit me a lot harder. So, Oh yeah. Get vaxxed people. Cause man, it's, uh, it's still ripped through me pretty good. So, mm-hmm. um, but other than that, uh, getting some writing done, you know, at home, isolating, had to sleep in the man cave for a night. It was nice and cool and had the TV on, you know, it's like a bachelor pad all over again, <laughs> but, uh, no, it, uh, it, it, was a, it was a long week, a worrisome week, like I said, with my son uh, and the health concerns that he's had. But uh, mm-hmm. we're back. We're bouncing back. The, the Forbes clan over here doesn't, uh, doesn't back down from anything, and we, we fight through Beautiful. everything that we've got. So uh, we're doing well, and uh, we're back into hockey talk here on Sticks in the Six. But uh, Peter, I think uh, I think it'd be wrong for us to start off the show without talking about what happened last night between the Maple Leafs and the Detroit Red Wings. Um, 
Let's just get it over with. I'll tell you, I'll tell you band-aid this. Band-aid off. <laughs> one, of the, one of the only – I've been to two NFL games in my life, okay? And I went to one in Cleveland, and it was pouring – like, it was just pissing down rain on the – you know, and if you haven't been to their their stadium, it's right on the, on the waterfront. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, like, one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and I forget who they were playing. It might have been the Titans. I can't remember. Um, but I think that final score was nine, seven. And there was like maybe 10 passes thrown up throughout the whole game. Okay. Nine, seven, the Maple Leafs and the Red Wings outdid that game in their game last night going 10, (laughs) seven. And here's, here's the best part. So I normally, my wife puts my, my son to bed. Um, so I was watching the game seven, two, my wife was a little tired. So I said, you know what? I'll do it tonight. What could, what could possibly go wrong? um i leave everything he falls asleep i leave the room i walk downstairs and as i'm walking downstairs i pull my phone out check the score app boom 10 7 10 7 oh my god uh and then i looked obviously there was a one goal there's a spot where it was a one goal game and I, i i couldn't believe my eyes but uh what was a really good game for the most part through the first two two periods the the first 40 minutes turned into an absolute debacle, massacre, disgusting display of hockey, whatever you want to call it in the third period. Um, and we can take silver linings away from this game. Like we can, we can say, yeah, you know what? At least they showed, you know, some resilience and, and uh, some gumption. Got the w. Yeah. And got the W and, and didn't let, you know, Detroit tie it up. But I'm still sitting here saying, what the hell were you doing? Letting them even get back in that game. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, See, here's the thing. Usually you can pinpoint the defense and we've had our fair share of like the defense in the past last year, the year before that. And even early on this season where the defense and the players in front of them or in front of the goaltenders weren't up to par. Like that's just a fact. Yesterday's game was the exact reversal of that. I have never seen a, a, and you know what? We're going to hear it from here on out. 3-1, 4-1. 3-1, 4-1. It was a five-goal lead that they literally lost. And it took them five minutes and 21 seconds to get back into it. And you look at the goals given up by Jack Campbell, and you even see the first one against Lucas Raymond, juicy rebound, goes right to him. You could, you, you could say that, you know, coverage wasn't great, but that was a big rebound. And he went for a walk on that goal by Sam Gagne. And then you see the goals from Philip Horanek, Carter Rowney. I mean, that one, the Rowney one, I think it went off like two or three uh, players. So we'll give, we'll give that one. But the Horanek and the Valeno goal, those are two goals that were absolutely worse than the first two that he gave up in the first and second period. I mean, I, I, I just don't know what is going on right now. But the good thing is the Maple Leafs were, about to, were able to bounce back and – they just didn't get the goaltending. And that to me, it was the main sticking point of this game because you had at that point, William Nylander got the scoring started. So one, one out of one out of two players on the second line scored the Matthews Marner and bunting line was just unreal. lights out. Good. It was unreal. The third line of camp, uh, McKayev and Kerfoot lights out good. And even the fourth line, even though they didn't get any points was so great. But to me, the goaltending was the big issue. And I'm just going to throw out a little stat that Steve Dangle. Oh, and by the way, if you haven't watched Steve Dangle's uh, leafer, 
of that game. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's better than everyone that he's made in the past, including, you know, Zamboni driver and everything like that. But he posted a tweet and this is, I believe from money puck where it said 17 goals on 4.8 expected goals and expected goals is basically the quality of shots that would lead to goals on a play 17 on 4.8. That is the worst game in history. And the previous worst one was the jets nine, eight win over the flyers with 8.7 goals expected. Still bad, but still relatively worth it. Yeah. At least it was like 50%. 17 on 4.8 there was supposed to literally only be about five goals if you want to go a little bit over maybe six i i I just don't understand that so you can tell that goaltending was the issue for both sides on that team and you know what for the most part defense on the reveries because the maple Leafs did have them head yeah i mean you have to take what you can from this game like i said i mean silver linings you know you have to look at it from that standpoint a little bit. Two points um, is two points. Two points is two points. You got the win. You know, Campbell played horrible. Morazic was thrown in ice cold in, mm-hmm. you know, against the team that was surging. Um, you know, Justin Hall had a good game early on. And, yes. and we've been we've been huge critics of Justin Hall. So it was good to see him kind of get Big off game. the schneid a little bit. Um, TJ how about Brody, him? How about that pairing with him and Brody? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I, th- I honestly think, and Alex had a great tweet. Did TJ Brody just fix Justin Hall? And yeah. I mean, TJ Brody had maybe one of his most memorable games because often he kind of flies under the radar because of Riley, because of Riley, he stood out and still played well. And that was that, that's something that I took away, uh, after the, just the second period. Um, but I mean, you got to think bunting two points behind the rookie leading in, 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 uh, in points, uh, Lucas Raymond, uh, he's, he's tied for, for, uh, rookie goal scoring, uh, the lead there. Marner got right back into the scoring race with a six point night, four goal game, his first career hat trick Matthews with another four points. He's top five in scoring now in the NHL, yeah. and not far off. Really. We got to start talking about Matthews for the heart because, Drysaddle and McDavid, to me, you got to throw them out. The Oilers, they're not valuable to a team that's not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when, you're, when you're, you know, Matthews or Shesterkin. Um, Goudreau. Goudreau. Even, you know, I'll give a nod to Nas uh, in, in Colorado, who's, who's had a career year. Um, Shout out to Jonathan Huberto as well. Yeah, Jonathan Huberto as well. Um, those are guys that you can talk about with the Hart Trophy. The thing that I like about Matthews is that he's been in the conversation before. And because of that, I'd give him the nod because of what he's been able to do for Toronto in such a short time injuries to start the year as well. Um, But I mean, what he was able to do and, and not thinking rocket Richard all the way, he was thinking, how can we get goals? And the goals came off the stick of Mitch Marner and Matthews was totally fine with that. Um, So a, a lot of good things happened in this game. And I know why Sheldon Keefe took like the positives away from it. He did also rip on uh, Jack Campbell a little bit, saying, like, he's got to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, essentially, essentially, he said, like, he's our guy. He's going to be our guy, but he needs to be better, and he knows he needs to be better. And yeah. next time he's out there, he's going to get it done. And I don't know who saw the conversation um, of Marner going over to Jack Campbell after he was pulled. Um, and basically, like, you know, Marner was asked about it after the game. He didn't want to get into it too much. He wanted to keep it between him and Jack. Yeah. But one of the things he said was that, uh, you know, I just let him know he's been our guy all year. He's going to be our guy all year. And he just needs to find that confidence. So with that said, 
I mean, great to see all the offense. Horrible if you're a defender. Horrible if you're a goalie. But that said, is it time to panic and leave Nation as we head towards the playoffs? Or ta- are we talking about a team that is too soft to make it past the first round again? If so, what is the fix? Well, the biggest thing right now, I mean, it's case in point, it's the, the issue in the crease. I mean, just when you think Jack Campbell was starting to turn it around with a couple good games, he's back at it. And you just mentioned he's got to get that confidence. He's got to get that mentality back, whether it's, you know, putting in a couple of extra minutes on the ice in terms of working on his mobility, his ability to track the puck, deflections, whatever, because that's what's been killing him is deflections and rebounds. If he's able to work on that, I think we're going to get back to the Jack Campbell that we saw early on in the season. But then again, you got to worry about, you know, Peter Morazic as well. He had a really great game against the Minnesota Wild, probably his best all season. There was that debate whether should you go to Campbell or should you go to Morazic? And, you know, maybe Morazic deserved another opportunity in net based on that performance and maybe still ease Campbell back in and try and get his mojo back because right now, as good as Mrazek was, well, he still wasn't that great coming in. One was off the deflection and one went five hole. He did manage to hold them in there for the time being until they were able to final horn. So that was good. But if this is going to be a, con- a concern over the next week and a half, two weeks, right before the deadline, if you're Kyle Dubas, yeah, you want to have the faith because you, you instilled that in Jack Campbell and he's shown it previously. You try to show that with Mrazic and he's bouncing back. But if they're going to be giving up four, five, six goals per game in the next week or so, you got to change your philosophy. And maybe instead of getting a top six forward and getting a, a, another defender, you focus on goaltending because that's going to be the main issue. And if they're going to get demolished because of bad goaltending in the playoffs, we know we may know that this season, you know, we've talked about offense being an issue and defense in the past. This season, it may come down to goaltending as the major X factor going in. And if they're able to try and get another goaltender, like, I mean, Julian uh, Mangelo mentioned on the Maple Leafs launch today or yesterday when this is going to be recorded, maybe going after someone like Braden Holpe, who's had the experience, pretty decent numbers on a Dallas Stars team that was like kind of middle of the pack and had bad points, but was still in it to keep his team in there. Um I don't know if you want to try and put your name into the Mark Andre Fleury sweepstakes. I doubt it. I mean, seven mils a lot. I mean, you could try and sign into maybe something cheaper in the offseason if he's willing to take something cheaper, but I doubt that. But um, you got to find some options right now because if this is going to be a concern, I, I, and I give this a minimum a week and a half as the final thing to try and give them more stars, see what they can do. And if it's still middle of the pack, Dubas has got to change his philosophy. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on the fence here because it's a yeah. tough situation to be in, especially right Very. now in the season. Um, look, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jack Campbell's your guy. Uh, yeah. You made it very clear what he did for you earlier in the season. He stole games for you earlier in the season. He played out of his mind. He's having a rough go right now, and we know from the Jack Campbell that was drafted, um, you know, to to where he is now that his mental game is what can bring him down. And yeah. for me right now, Jack Campbell's not bad. He's not bad. Um, he's had some rough starts and it's, and it's 
you know, taking a shot at his confidence. And that's, that's the biggest problem right now. Peter Mrazek. Yeah. I mean, you can move him, find, find another option. That's fine. Have that secondary goalie. Jack Campbell's not your problem. You have to find a way to, to get inside of his head and yeah. remind him that he's the one that got them to where they are. Let me read you the stats this, this season. 23-8-4 in 38 games, okay? At 255 goals against and a 917 save percentage with four shutouts. He's also played the most minutes he's ever played by over – or sorry, rather, almost 600 minutes. And he's faced the most shots he's ever faced, um, looking at about 300 more shots. That's, that's career-wise. He's like, I don't care what people say about, you know, they had a layoff. He, how can you be fatigued after, you know, having so much time off? Mental fatigue, takes a toll. Mental fatigue takes a toll. It, mm-hmm. it, mentally, he is struggling right now to get back. Um, and it, it's not made easier by playing in Toronto, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. the truth of it, right? Like somebody playing in, in Arizona is not going to have the same issue. Somebody playing no in, in, in Anaheim is not going to have the same issue. Look, John Gibson's supposed to be a star goalie. He struggled year in and year out with injuries being part of the reason. And John Gibson doesn't get nearly as much attention as Jack Campbell does struggling through maybe a span of, what, 10 games? Yeah. I mean, realistically, right? Like, um, I don't think Jack Campbell's the problem. I, I really don't. And I, I, I've seen the conversations about bringing in Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, and I, I understand that some of it's kind of just, you know, hopes and dreams wisping away in, in trade yeah. deadline BS. Um, at the same time, like I saw a post, I think it might've been Kyle Cushman. I, I'm not sure that posted uh, the amount of games that uh, over the last two seasons, that Marc-Andre Fleury's allowed four goals or more. And you're talking about 30 to 35 games. Yeah. So, and... Is that really worth and it? he was playing on Vegas. A, a, better a, defensive a, structure team. Better defen- defensive structure team. More experienced team. A team that has gone on multiple playoff runs and still he, he put up, you know, average s- some subpar games, right? Like yeah. it's it's gonna happen. And and Mark Andre Fleury is a Hall of Famer. This is not taking anything away from Mark Andre Fleury, but to bring him into Toronto and, and basically cripple your your cap situation going into the deadline, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that's and that's the main thing too. Unless maybe you get a third team to try and eat some of that salary or make Chicago eat some of it. But yeah, no, it, it's. And, and and again, like you said too, and even before, like it may have sounded like I was harping on Campbell, but it's like, you know, he has been there before. And he, you talked about his ability to like his mental game. He has shown to bounce back. We saw last year where he was on that, where he went, you know, 11 straight games with a win, had a bit of hiccups here and there with like maybe three or four bad games, but was able to bounce back. Even in the playoffs, he still showed that he was able to play well, even when the game was going bad. But this year, it just seems like it's gone like a little bit longer and a little bit harder for him to try and, you know, regroup and refocus and get into it because he has done it in the past. That's not that, like, we're not taking anything away from him. It's just 
maybe he's just got, again, I think, like you said, like it's hard to go inside his head and try and figure out what the issue is. But maybe just maybe taking a step back, regrouping, maybe just taking the data himself just to regroup and refocus and not worry about anything. Because like you said, the mental fatigue, mental health, and everything is going to be a huge part no matter where you are. And I, I, I do think that, you know, he, uh, at their best, we've seen them at their best, and this could be a really solid duo. It's just right now we're not getting it, and it just seems very coincidental that it's at, happening at the worst possible time, just like everything else happens at the worst possible time. The power play last year, offense drying up the year before that, and it, it, it just seems like it, there's like a pattern going, and it seems like right now is a lull, but maybe – this may work out for the better. Let's hope that this is something that they can turn the page on and everybody dials in. And just like you said about that conversation with Marner and Campbell, maybe that's what that maybe that's the key of what helps them get through this. Let's not forget too, that um, this is going to dictate what happens after the season, right? Like this is, this is the year. This is the year for him. And, and, I said it. I said it once before. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. But this might be the best possibility for the Leafs: is seeing sure. Jack Campbell struggle, seeing what resiliency he has, and what maybe, the team can do to lift him. What the team can do to lift him. What he is like in the room when he is struggling, and that's going to dictate what they what they pay him. And this might play into their favor. If they want to keep them around, maybe on a five-year deal, you're not looking at six million anymore. Maybe you're looking at four and a half. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, realistically, every dollar saved is is a bonus to this team right now because they're in a cap crunch. Um, but at the same time, like you have to remember that you played this guy every game for the first twenty games of this season, like. Yeah. That's where I'm saying, like, you fill the spot where Morazic is. Maybe you bring in, maybe you bring in an Eric Shalgren. Yeah. Maybe you bring in a, a, a Joey Wall, you know, and give them an opportunity to get a few games in here. And, you know, they always say you like to see, you like the, you like to see teams kind of struggle right before the playoffs because then they go in and they kind of, they've had, they've gotten it out of their system. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is what the Leafs need. Maybe they need this, this, and, and, and Sheldon Keefe said it again after the, I believe it was the game against the Rangers where he said, you know, teams need a wake up call. Maybe they need a wake up call and yeah. maybe this is it. Um, and, and the, the hope is, is that they can bounce back from it and, and find a way to their, their problem isn't scoring. I think we, they made that abundantly clear last night. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it's not, it's not scoring. Sure. They make some, some goalies, look like Vesna type goalies, Barube and Montebo. Um, but uh, I mean, that's not going to happen night in and night out in a seven game series either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you brought up a good point too, that, you know, this team and, and the comment about like, you know, maybe teams need to wake up call and stuff like that. It, it, for me, it's just how many times can you give this team a wake up call based on what's happened in the past? I agree. Again, you need to have a wake-up call, but this is a different roster compared to last season, and they look more gelled, more cohesive, more – they just seem like they're having fun with everything this year. Even when things are going bad, they're still having fun, and I think that positive positive attitude is going to help them. But 
I mean, you even look at a team like the Florida Panthers right now who, you know, the last – in combined, the last three games, they have given up 16 goals. They lost 6-4 to the Predators. They lost 6-3 to the Blue Jackets, and they lost 4-3 to the Edmonton Oilers, yes, on Saturday. At Like, listen, we know we talked about the least expensive struggles. But Florida's having that right now, and they're at the top of the game right now, and Toronto's literally, you know, three points back of the division lead. And still with, you know, one game in hand of the Panthers right now. So this, is, this could be a momentum changer for them and maybe say, hey, maybe the Florida Panthers aren't, you know, as strong as, you know, maybe we anticipated, maybe they have weak points. Maybe we can try and expose that. And this is a team that can possibly expose that. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it back to the St. Louis blues, the year they won the cup just a few years ago, going into January, they were the bottom of the the league number 31. Uh, And, and that was a Stanley cup winning team. I mean, at the end of the day, when you get to the playoffs, it doesn't matter where, where you were. We saw the Edmonton Oilers sneak in at number eight and go on a run years ago. Mm-hmm. We saw the Kings sneak in at number eight and go and win the cup. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not about what you do right now. And we we're so focused on the regular season uh, because we want home ice advantage, especially with the new setup. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the, the playoff setup, but um, it, when we get into the playoffs, that's what the focus has to be. And if you struggle now and you find ways to, to figure it out, find ways to fix it, find ways to fill those holes, then, you know, then we're talking about a team that maybe can go on a run here. And that's, at the end of the day, I think we've said it before, you get past the first round, it's going to be a win for this team. Yeah. It, it, it's a sad reality, but it, it's the truth. Um. Yep. I'm just going to say, can we also just say how great of an addition Ilya Labushkin has been in only three games so far? Love him. If he sits any game as a healthy scratch, I'll I'll drive a truck outside of Air Canada Center, Scotiabank Arena, whatever you call it now, and sit it right in the middle of the the crosswalk. Maple Leaf Square. That's right. (laughs) I mean, can they resign him right now, please? I, I, know. I, I would I, I would I know. really like them. I saw your I saw your tweet about that. <laughs> I I want them to resign him right now. I, I I I again only three games, but he's looking very. There was talks about his mobility and an issue in his decision making. He's jumping up into the play extremely well, making passes, and he knows when to back off. And I think that's what was missing with the play of Hall and Buzzing. He's doing everything perfectly, and the smarts are there. And I think that's going to be a key element for them going into down the stretch. Him, him and Sandine were on for zero goals against last night. Yeah. Zero goals against. When you're ge- and he got his seven. first assist. Like, <laughs> I mean, it can't I, be I think, a coincidence, right? No, I think that's, you know, it speaks volumes. Somebody, I forget who it was, somebody wrote a tweet about how. You know, he's just used to it because he played in Arizona. And you know, maybe that's true. But in yeah. Arizona, you know, he was single digits and plus minus as well. So he played for a terrible team and he still found ways to get his job done. And that's all that matters. He's getting his job done. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, basically, what we're saying here, folks, is Leafs Nation, it's not time to panic. It's no. not time to panic. We we panic way too easily in this in this mecca of hockey. We we yeah. we we're ready to trade everybody. And and another guy that you know needs to be talked about um, is is John Tavares. Um, and what's perceived as as a cold streak form right now. Obviously, he's on a goal scoring slump, um, and, and people are understandably frustrated with that, being that he is paid you know, multi-millions of dollars and he's supposed to be your guy, but he's not paid just for the goal scoring. He's paid for his leadership. He's paid for what he does on the ice. He pay, He's paid for what he does away from the puck. And let's not forget, this is a guy who's coming back from a horrific injury in the first round of the playoffs last year against Montreal. Um, and I'm just, I, I this one boggles my mind a little bit, Peter, because we're talking about a guy who's had eight points in his last 11 games. Okay. 48 points in 51 games this season, still getting it done on the second line, almost a point per game. And somebody brought up the point. Well, yeah, you know, but is he worth $11 million at a point per game? Okay. Um, Matthew Barzell. Uh, There was a bunch of names I brought up. There was, there's a bunch that I brought up in response that, are being paid, you know, seven, eight, nine million dollars that are below him in terms of points and are younger than him and are the future of their teams. And we're going to sit here and debate whether a guy that like John Tavares is worth 11 million at 48 points in 51 games coming off the injury he came off. The fact that he's back on the ice playing at the level that he's playing is probably the biggest takeaway from this season. And I just, for me to say that he's on a cold streak, to say that I get the goal scoring slump. He he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been in the feisty areas in front of the net like he he was early on in the season, which probably you know takes away from his goal scoring ability. That said, eight points in the last eleven games. How can you call that a cold streak? I mean. I, I guess maybe because he's not scoring goals, but at least assists are piling up and he's being a factor on those goals. And just looking at like an adjusted 82 game season, he's still on pace for 75 points. I mean, to get 75, 70 plus points in this league alone, it's no easy feat. And, and I, I wrote something a few weeks back on that the Maple Leafs are still getting their money's worth. And at the time, John Tavares is still a point-per-game player. The comment section just ripped me apart. I mean, listen, I really don't care because the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah, his play or his ability, like you mentioned, his ability to go into the dirty area wasn't as predominant. He didn't have that in-your-face factor that was there at the beginning of the season. But let's face it. With Matthews and Marner firing on all cylinders with Michael Bunting right now, you don't need Tavares to step up. Well, you, you still want him to step up and produce. I mean, let's be realistic, but you're not relying on him as the primary point getter right now because those two guys are the reason why they signed those massive contracts as well because they're your future. And with what they're getting right now from John Tavares, they're getting secondary scoring, but at the same time, you know, I think before when I was writing this, he had the same amount of points as 
Patrick Kane, who is at like his contract's at 10.5. Um, you know, the, the, there are still some other players in and around him where they're like the contract is great, but you know, maybe it's not up to the level that they're producing at. I mean, Alexander Barkov is only at 49 points in 40 games. And yeah, he's above a point per game compared to Tavares, but at the same time, it's like, you know, Tavares is only three points behind being point per game. I think maybe people need to, you know, take a step back, calm down, relax. And I even saw it today too. I I think it's going to be so funny when John Tavares is like going to go on a heater and like, you know, start potting like, you know, eight goals during a stretch and everyone's going to be like, Oh man, we love John Tavares and everything right now. It's just like, well, you were already shitting on him before kind of thing. Right. So it's like, there, there's no, there's no pleasing this fan base. Whenever something bad happens. And, and again, I think maybe we're kind of in that situation too, but we analyze it with like numbers, opinions based on what we see. But at the same time, it's like, we don't go overboard. Yeah, we want to see, like, similar to Jack Campbell, we want to see him produce and play well because we believe he can. John Tavares is a player that's been an all-star caliber type player throughout his whole entire career. I mean, granted exceptional status, first overall, and just absolutely dominant since he's come in the league. How can you just write that off based on a stretch of like, you know, two months? And even though he's not scoring, he's still producing. Like, I, I just don't get it. At the end of the day, like, do I think he's worth 11 million? I don't think any of these guys are worth, you know, 15 plus million. I, I, sure. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, you could argue that to the end of the day, but at, like for him at where he's at 75 points, if he, if he were to reach the 75 point plateau this season, that would be his fifth highest point total of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, to get it at 11 million, to get a guy a second line center at 11 million who's who's producing at that at that click, I mean that's that's what you're gonna get. Um, and, and on top of that, the Leafs have been juggling that line all season long. He hasn't that's played true. with the same two people for more than you know a 10 game span, so chemistry is gonna be a little bit different. Um, you're, you're constantly alternating how you're, you're approaching each game. When you're, when your line changes, Kerfoot's there, Mikheyev's there, um, Nylander's there, Marner's there for a little bit. Like it, it was constantly changing, right? So it is going to be, you know, it, it's going to take time to bring up some of the names that I, I threw out there. Mark Shifley, 42 points in 47 games. Um, Tomas Hurdle. 42 points in 52 games. Uh, who else did I throw out there? Pierre-Luc Dubois, 40 points in 52 games. Logan Couture, 39 points in 48 games. Claude Giroux, 39 points in 49 games. I mean, I don't like hating on Patrice Bergeron because he's, he's, he's an absolute beauty, but 38 points in 48 games. Taylor Hall, 37 points in 52 games. Are there, fan bases? Are there yeah. fan bases ripping them apart? No, exactly. And that's what I'm saying, right? Like Taylor Hall signed in Boston because he wanted to be a secondary player. He didn't want to be the guy. Um, and, you know, now he can kind of fly under the radar just scoring 11 goals. He has 11 goals. And you're not hearing Taylor Hall's name a lot in the media. You're not hearing them talk about how, how shit of a season he's been having. John Tavares has 17 goals. He's going to be a 20-goal scorer by the end of the season. 
Yeah. And we're sitting here debating whether he's on a cold streak and whether, you know, the Leafs have to figure out something to do with John Tavares. I mean, it, it it's a joke. Like it, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of like the more, the more we do this, like you and I've been doing this for what a year and a half now. Yeah. Where we sit here Sunday nights, talk about the Leafs and, and Leafs nation and, obviously proud supporters of the Leafs, proud, you know, parts of Leafs nation. And yet sometimes I'm so disappointed to be a part of Leafs nation because I just, I, and granted, I used to be one of those people who just ripped them based on, you know, the eye test. Hey, Tavares hasn't scored in 15 games. He's shit. Um, Let's look beyond the goals. Let's look at what he's been doing. Let's look at what he's, been doing in the room let's ask the guys how valuable he is as a guy in the in the dressing room i you know it's it's just you know eight eight points in 11 games like he's not on a cold streak he's not scoring goals that's that can be fixed that will change and like you said once he does he needs one bad goal to go off his shin pads and he's going to start popping off it's a confidence thing it's the same as jack campbell once we see the confidence change this is a guy that's going to be a go-to guy in the playoffs. You can mark my words on it. I can't remember what game it was, but he was, he was just basically firing on all cylinders. And I think maybe it was the game against the wild. If I'm not mistaken, I can't remember which game I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure it out. What the blue jackets, he had, a number of grade eight chances and it was either blocked or it went wide and you see the frustration setting in on him. They were saying on the panel that, Oh, you don't need it. You can't show frustration because then it's just going to get, and it's going to be even worse. To be honest, I think that's a good thing because it shows that your willingness to still do whatever you can to try and win, to still get that monkey off your back and to still be a factor in showing that emotion that you want to contribute to this team. It's showing that he's care that he's caring. And if he didn't show that kind of emotion and he just skated away, then maybe that would probably be the worst thing. The fact that he's showing his emotions and slamming his stick on the ice, that's what you want to see. He's, he's trying. It's not like he's just giving up right away. No, that's, you know what? That's, that's not who he is. That's what pissed me off too, is that people are sitting there being like, yeah, he doesn't care. Like, are you, are you watching the Seriously? games? Are you, are you seeing what it looks like on his face? This, this guy cares more than anybody. I mean, this guy could have easily sat out the entire season after what happened to him last year. Yeah. Easily. He's got a wife. He's got a kid. You know, he's, you know, why, why put himself in jeopardy? Mm-hmm. Because he cares. Yeah. And it, like, it, it's so simple to figure out. Like that's that, I think that's what pissed me off the most. And people are sitting there saying like, you know, he's our captain, but he doesn't care. Should have given it to Matthews. Shake, give your head a shake. Give your head a shake and 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 think about things before you send them out. That's you know, I don't know. My I, final this, this guy's gonna pop off. You watch. My final point is, um, yeah, he's starting to shoot a lot more, and I think right now, just like Mitch Marner, he continues to shoot. Pucks are gonna go his way, and if this contract was around eight point five nine million, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion. Worth noting that he's uh, his shooting percentage right now is at ten point seven. It's the lowest of his career. Uh, 159 shots. So, I mean, take that for what you will. But I mean, it's double-digit shooting percentage throughout his whole entire career. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Moving on. 13, <laughs> 13.1 career shooting percentage. His lowest of his career is 
So, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I think think we made our case. Yeah. Um, Jake (laughs) Muzzin, thrown on long-term IR. Uh, I think it's the best move for for the Leafs. They obviously need the cap space going into the trade deadline. That said, there was a report out, I believe it was yesterday, saying that they're not going to force Muzzin's mm-hmm. hand if he's ready to come back. They're going to they're gonna allow him to come back. Obviously, they're not going to – it puts him in a tricky situation going into the trade deadline. But uh, um, obviously, you know, if, if this is a long-term injury, which it, it could be based on, on his uh, track record with uh, head injuries um, – you know, this, this might be an opportunity for the Leafs to, to grab somebody um, and add a little bit of cap going into the playoffs to so use that Patrick Kane loophole that we talk so much about. So um, your thoughts on Muzzin going to LTIR? Yeah. Um, I, I agree with this, with the comment where they're like, they're not just going to keep them on LTIR just to crew cap space and, you know, do the whole Tampa Bay lightning thing. Um then again, we don't know the whole situation. Maybe Nikita Kucherov did need the whole entire season, whatever. Um, but they're not just going to hold him off just because they want to get more cap space. They're doing it as a precaution just to make sure that he's okay. And if he's okay, bring him back. I mean, yeah, would you like to have more space to make a deal and bring in another impact player? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? But at the same time, if he knows he's ready to play and he's ready to come back, and we, I mentioned this time and time before, if we get the Jake Muzzin that we saw last year, that we saw the year before, and at times early on in the season, then we're, we're in good shape. We, uh, To be honest, and I'm starting to think about this even more right now, the best acquisition would probably be a healthy Jake Muzzin. And oh. if... I, again, it sucks that he's on LTIR again. It sucks that he's been having a bad season because we know what he's capable of. Again, common theme this episode. We know what they're capable of. It's just not happening. And I do hope that, you know, it, everything does work out. And if, 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 big if, they do shut him down and he's showing no signs of improvement until the playoffs, then you make your move. But you only got three weeks to do it. So, Maybe in the two weeks he does come back. Who knows? But again, concussions are really tricky. We don't know what's going to happen. And then if he needs to get put placed on it afterwards again because of a, he's still having lingering effects, we've seen that this season with Bowen Byram. But now the Maple Leafs have the depth and they have something to work with just in case, even if they don't make a move. Would you Again, would you like to make a move? Absolutely. But this is still the right move. You don't want to rush him, but if he's able to come back, do it. What was it? Less than a month between his two his two concussions, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happened so, I mean, uh, January fifteenth or sixteenth against St. Louis. Yeah, and and this latest one, the way he hit his uh, hit his head on the ice, I mean, he was he was out, and it was purely accidental. It wasn't a absolutely absolutely vicious hit. The thing is, like at the end of the day, you know, we say this so often, but hockey's second, um, and head injuries now you don't want to play you don't want to play around with it like we've seen the the we've seen the the research into cte we've seen what some of these guys have done after their careers and um you know two in such a short span of time like that like for me it's it's not even about a, like accruing the cap space like for me it's just making sure that jake muzzin's okay Absolutely. and yeah. and uh, I, 
I personally think you have him wait. I, I think you have him you have him sit it out, sit out the last what do they have? Thirty games of this season and see where he's at at playoff time. And that's not even saying bring him back for the playoffs. Um I would love to see a healthy Jake Muzzin, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to see him come back and take one more hard hit because he takes some hard hits. Yeah. Um, take one more hard hit in the corner, and all of a sudden you're talking about a third third concussion in you know less than three months. Um, so if I if I'm even if I'm Jake Muzzin, I'm sitting this one out for the time being because I need to reevaluate where I'm at. Uh, and like that's speaking from like I've I've had a concussion uh, playing hockey and. You know, mine was not nearly bad enough to keep me out or, you know, even if it was at the time, we didn't know enough about head injuries to, to keep me out. Like mm-hmm. I'm talking, you know, 18 years ago, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I me personally, I, I want to see Muzzin get healthy. And if that means, yeah. you know, maybe he sits the rest of the year and, and including playoffs out, that's what he's got to do. But this is, you're not, you're, you're not playing with, you're playing with fire if you go back out too early. So yeah, I, I you know, I, from a leaf standpoint, yeah, if he's out, I, I'm making a big move. I'm making a big splash at the deadline. I'm bringing in, you know, uh, I don't know, a Giordano. I don't know. Maybe you know, uh, uh, any bias there? We've talked about that. Yeah, <laughs> a little Zach White cloud. I don't know. Hey, I don't know. Connor Garland. Connor Garland. There's there's name there's name that uh, Peter loves throwing out there. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I can't believe I was so blind to that. I I I, I was looking through because I saw J T Miller rumors, and then I'm like, you know what? Who would be a better name than J T Miller? Connor Garland. I can't believe I beat the fourth period to the punch when it came to Giordano. They should probably hire you. Should probably hire you on right now. <laughs> Great host of a show, but anyways. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. JT Miller rumors, uh, they're swirling. Uh, rumors do have it that uh, the Leafs did get in contact with the Canucks. They also talked to uh, Dallas about Klingberg. And the asking prices are just, you know, a little bit more than what Dubas is willing to give up or part with. Um, and the belief is that Dubas doesn't want to part with his first-round pick this year. He doesn't want to part with uh, Amirov. Um, I believe Matthew Nyes was in there and Topi uh, Niamela. And there was one other name in there as well. Uh, Ty Void, I think, was in there as well. Uh, but there was, there was four prospects that he was unwilling to part with. Um, so really, like, he's kind of cutting his options down. But that said, like, JT Miller, I, think, I do think the asking price is too much. They're asking for more than what, uh, what Buffalo got for Jack Eichel. I know it's obviously a different situation, but mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, JT Miller is a guy that has to be re-signed. Um, so, and then and obviously John Klingberg is another guy that, you know, his name has been kind of thrown through the rumor mill a few times, and I don't think the Leafs are in on that one either, especially yeah. with uh, Labushkin coming in as well. So, um, your thoughts on the JT Miller stuff? Yeah, I think Nick Abersese, based on his performance at the Olympics, I think he's now in that conversation of untouchable oh, kind yeah. of prospects right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the contract itself. One year, five point two five. Yeah, he's got one more year of term. But the big sticking point for me is 
if the Maple Leafs didn't make that trade, you're giving up valuable assets for only one year service with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then after, after that season, he becomes a UFA and chances are he's probably going to ask premium dollars, seven, eight, 8.5 million. Probably you're probably looking at that based on what he's done in the past for the Canucks. And you gave up a first plus maybe a Topi Niemela um, to get what, uh, basically three months plus playoffs, depending on how long you go in another year. Whereas, and again, I came out with an article about Connor Garland. If you made a trade with them, you wouldn't probably have to give up a top prospect, maybe a first, but you wouldn't be looking at a top prospect. You'd be looking at maybe someone like Ronnie Hirvonen for four more years at still a cap hit under 5 million. So to me, to give up that much for JT Miller is not really that much worth it unless you're getting more than just one season of playtime with a team under control. If you're getting two, three, four, great, but you're not. And to me, that's where I'm very hesitant on trading for JT Miller. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this, we've seen this film before, haven't we? Uh, as, as our Last year. good friend T Swift would say. Um <laughs> We, uh, yeah, I mean, last year, Nick Felino comes in, obviously gets injured pretty early on. We don't see him for most of the playoffs, and then he bolts for Boston. So I'm not, I'm kind of on, on the Dubas train here. I'm not going to trade assets for, for a rental. I think right now you got to, you got to think about your future, and right now your core is, is where it is. Um, you have to have pieces that are coming up because eventually, you know, your team's not going to become affordable. And you need to have those those young pieces that are on ELCs that can come up and be those, you know, second, third line fillers that can also produce offense and and be a part of the team and grow and develop within your system. Um, JT Miller's not that guy. He's not going to put you over the edge, and that's that that's for me like he's not going to be the the make or break difference that gets you past round two of the playoffs. Um. I think that's the way they got to look at it. Uh, so for me, JT Miller's not really the guy. Um, that said, we'll get a little bit more in depth in terms of who we look to acquire in just a moment when we look at our listener questions. That's right. We got listener questions this week. Um, there we go. But uh, before we do that, uh, just a, a little bit of a darker note, uh, although we want to stay positive, uh, Rodian Amirov um, obviously was diagnosed with uh, a brain tumor. He's in Germany now receiving treatment with his family. They brought his dog over for him too. A multi-poo, I believe it was a multi-poo. Yeah. Um, So positivity, uh, you know, it might not be all rainbows and and sunshine for him, but uh, he's, he's doing his best to keep it that way. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, his, his, I know I kind of threw shade on, on uh, his agent at, on an earlier show, um, but Dan Milstein did release an email that you can send your well wishes to Amirov uh, as he goes through this battle. I mean, it's not, it's not one you want to go through alone, obviously. Like I said, he's got his family there, but to have the support of Leaf Nation as well, although albeit we can be crazy sometimes, it's nice to, to get those messages as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't. I don't really have much more to say on that. He's he's training. He's 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 keeping up what he can do, and uh, 
you know, hope to hell that we see him back soon and healthy and, and ready to, to wear the blue and white because man, what an asset and, and what a, what a, what a phenomenal hockey player and, and to, to have to go through this so young, um, to have to go through this at any time, let alone being a 20 year old with such a bright future is just, it's, I mean, it's, it's, we're 2022. We're kind of used to this the last two years, bad news after bad news after bad news. But yeah, for him, we'll, we'll, we'll try and stay positive. We'll keep our, our smiles on. We'll, we'll send them all the, all the sunshine and rainbows that we can. Um, yeah. Peter, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. Um, I actually sent him a message um, through the email. Um, the email is uh, amirov at goldstarhockey.com. Um, j- just, it's, it's tough with me because I know what it feels like to know or like if within a circle, I, I know what it's like to know someone going through this battle. Um, not going to get into too many details because it is personal and I want it and I want this to be positive, but I do know what it's like. It's very difficult and it's very tough because you want them to bat, to get through this. You want them to come out on top. And that's the attitude that Amirov has right now. And I, I think that if you, if you go in without a, without this, you know, it, it's, 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 uh, to see, to see that, to see him have that attitude, it, it's just so inspiring. And like I said, I, I, I know someone who did go through it and they were just, perky and happy all the time trying to make be positive with all this and it really is great to see this mentality i mean it it just really is um and for him to be that beacon of hope to still battle and he went on mentioning other players that have gone through this i mean brian boyle oscar lindbaum um you know matt perot who recently won a gold medal for Team Canada, went through this. Um, you know, I'm even going to throw in Saku Koivu. You know, I, I remember in the early days when I was getting into the Maple Leafs-Habs rivalry and hearing that, you know, he would be leaving and he would be playing. And I'm like, you know, as a kid, you don't know. But you see him and you see the reaction and everything coming back and you start to get a gauge of what this actually meant. For him to come back and beat this, it's going to mean so much for him. It's going to mean so much for his family. And you, you and you just saw the message from the team that they sent to Rodin Amirov. I mean, when they were tapping their sticks and they just raised it, you know, it, that that really that really got me. And you know, the team's behind them. Everyone's behind them, and we just wish him a really really fast and speedy recovery. And hope he beats this because hey, again, hockey's secondary at this point. Just be healthy. That that that's it. I'm going to throw another name at you, Mario Lemieux. Yeah. Hodgkin's yeah. lymphoma back, uh, I want to say, early 90s. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think we've all known somebody that's been affected by um, cancer at some point. And, um, yeah, most recently my, uh, my mother-in-law um, beat it. And uh, Awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things that you – with all the shitty things that go on the go on in the world, that's one thing that you wish you could just take away. And 
Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's there. And, and positivity, you know, like you said, it, you, you got to feed off it. You got you to gotta be positive because I truly believe that if you, if, you, if you go into something with a negative attitude, you're going to get negative results. Mm-hmm. And I think the positivity has to be infectious. It has to be what you, what you live by um, to get through some of the darkest times. And this right now is going to be probably one of the darkest times that he'll ever experience in his life. So yeah. with that said, fuck cancer. Yeah. Rodion, we're here Big with time. you. Uh, we're going to fight alongside you, um, you know, and uh, keep sending those messages in folks, because like I said, positivity is everything. It matters. It matters. Um, with that, let's jump over to our listener questions. We have two this week um, from our good friend, Nick. Uh, Nick asks, and this is uh, Twitter, at Aaron's Nick, A-R-E-N-T-S underscore Nick. Um, who would you like to acquire at the deadline? So, Peter. Who would you like to acquire at the deadline if you are the Maple Leafs? Uh, honestly, I, I, I would go with some of my targets that I mentioned at the de- or previously in the past. Um, I, I think uh, – I want to say defense, but I think maybe you have – you know what you have on defense right now? I think you're trying to bank on them because there are times where they're just absolutely great. And if they could, again – to be the biggest deadline would probably be a healthy Jake Muzzin. Would I like to see them go out and get another two-way defenseman like a Zach Whitecloud or Colin Miller? Absolutely. But if they want to address the top six, I, I'm still, and again, we mentioned him previously before, I'm still high on Connor Garland. Um, maybe you try and even look at Brandon Hagel because I think both guys will be really great options in a top six role. They play with a lot of energy, a lot of speed. Um and I think they would be complementary pieces in a top six or a third line role. Um, depending on what happens, I think Connor Garland has more of that top six upside than Hagel. But I, I think that those names in general, I think are going to be at the top of my wish list for the Maple Leafs. So I'm going to stick with what I wrote about. I, I, I truly think that Mark Giordano is a guy mm. that the Leafs could, could really – you know, maximize what he's, he's able to do. I mean, his last two goals have been shorthanded goals. Uh, I believe he's got double digits and shorthanded goals over his career. Um, this is the guy who got it done in Calgary. He's an undrafted defenseman. He has the work ethic because he was undrafted. He needed to work harder to get to the show. Um, has that history with TJ Brody. I know a lot of the comments on my article was, Oh, he's not going to play with TJ Brody. I know he's not going to play with TJ Brody, but just the familiarity helps these guys get comfortable in the room a lot faster. Um, he's experienced. He's tough. And again, another comment I got was that he doesn't throw his body around and get in fights. Well, I'm not talking about that kind of tough. He blocks shots. He's got almost a hundred block shots this season. Um, and he, he's mentally tough. Like he's out there game in and game out. He rarely misses a game. Um, this is a guy that I, I do think adds that little extra to the back end. I think for me, if you're going to go out and get him, 
he might be a guy that's willing to sign a cheaper deal next season. He is a rental right now. Um, you'd be looking to move Hall or Dermott or both uh, to make room for that cap space. I mentioned in my article, a possible three-way deal with Arizona where they eat a little bit of the cap and you send them a pick. Um, that's a possibility as well. But I do think Mark Giordano can add a lot going into the playoffs and a lot to your penalty kill as well. And uh, I think he's a great option as a left-handed defenseman. So he's the guy I'd be looking at. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kind of take that for what you will, Nick. But uh, we appreciate the question and uh, your constant interactions with us on Twitter. Um, the next question comes from Ginge at not McLeifer, N-O-T, M-C-L-E-A-F-E-R, not McLeifer, uh, totally disregarding the cap. So throw the cap right out the window. Which Easy. one? Yeah, I, I would love to. <laughs> um, which one player reportedly available for trade makes the Leafs the best team possible? Uh, can you go first? Because I, I, I need to do my research on this because there are so many players I would like to like to see. Yeah, um, best team possible. Um, look, I think on the on up front, they I think they're pretty sure. Uh, would I love to add a guy like Thomas Hurdle? Uh, absolutely. Um, I don't think he fits the mold as to what they need right now. Um, for me, I would love to add a Jacob Chikrin. Um, I think he's young. Uh, he's a guy that can go out there and as Peter's pointed out on Twitter multiple times over the last couple of weeks, he can play the right side. He's mm-hmm. looking very comfortable on the right side. Um, you know, get him in a winning culture and, and see what he can do. Cause this kid, this kid, when he played in junior was phenomenal. Um, and obviously playing in Arizona, it's a little bit of a different story, but Jacob Chick a guy that I'd like to get, and I'd like to sign him long-term. I think he'd be a, a, a big guy that you can have on the back end with Morgan Riley moving forward. Um, and yeah, I think he's a great possibility, great option. And, uh, I don't think it's realistic, but he's a a guy I definitely would look at if we could throw the cap right out the window. Yeah. Uh, obviously Chikrin is going to be one of those guys that would probably benefit them in the long run. Honestly, if we could throw out the cap right now, um, like this is tough because, I think getting Claude Giroux would be a really great rental piece right now as that top six player. Obviously, it's not going to be realistic because he's making one 8.75 this year, 8.275, going to be a free agent, but you're going to have to give up a lot of pieces in order to get him. But, you know, Giroux kind of feels like that kind of deal that the Maple Leafs made in the early thousands where they would give up assets to try and get, you know, players that are later on in their career still effective, like, you know, getting Owen Nolan and Jason Allison. Well, I think Jason Allison was more of a free agent signing, but, you know, kind of like those Brian Leaches where they were still at the tail end of their career. Glenn Wesley, still at the tail end of the career, but still impactful. And obviously Giroux is a hell of a lot younger than those guys, but I think he could play center. He could play wing. Um, if he's on that second line where William Nylander's on the left wing and you have Tavares and you have Giroux as a second line and you don't care about the cap because, you know, screw the salary cap anyways, that to me will be a really, really deadly line heading in. And I think that is something I would look to if I would absolutely get rid of the cap. 
I'm going to throw one more option out there. I know like you, you only asked for one, but I'll give you one more option that I like, I've really been pondering over the last week or so since I heard his name come up in maybe one trade rumor, probably not even available, but Travis Konechny. Um, yeah. His name was brought up kind of just as a possibility of what the Leafs would be looking for in a, in a forward. Um, he's a feisty little fucker. Like he just, he, he gets in there. He's small. Like I think he's, he weighs 175 pounds or something like that. 510. Um, holds his own though. Holds his own. And, and he's, you know, London boy. So, you know, uh, I, I believe he's actually from just outside London. So that's wrong on NHL.com just for anybody, you know, taking note. Um, but makes 5.5, not exactly expensive. Um, Obviously, with the Leafs in the situation they're at, they wouldn't be able to afford a guy like that. But that being said, you know, he's signing through 24-25, and he'd be a hell of an addition. Uh, a playoff guy, 100% a playoff guy. Reminds me a lot of like a Theo Fleury type of player. Um, just hasn't gone off the rails the same way that Theo has in the last year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean – I would love to get a Travis Konechny on the Leafs. And I know Peter's Peter's laughing at my little Theo jab there, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it would, it would be fantastic to get a, a Travis Konechny as well. If we could throw that cap right out the window and uh, not have to worry about giving up too many assets, but again, not realistic. Love the questions, get involved, ask us questions. Cause we love answering. We love getting involved with you guys and, and yeah. interacting with you guys. So when you can send us stuff like that, it's, it's always fun for us to kind of dabble in, in, in the what ifs and the, the possibilities that are out there. Um, but uh, yeah, that said, uh, we'll jump away from leaf talk for a little bit here. Um, we, as, as I've always mentioned, we're not a political podcast that said we do have to dabble in politics a little bit here. Uh, with with what's going on over in uh, Ukraine, um, we do have to just mention that uh, J- Finland's team Jokerit and uh, I believe you said Latvian uh, Dynamo Riga pulled out of the KHL uh, this week in response to Russia's um, occupation or or attack on uh, on Ukraine soil. Call it what you will. Um, it's it's been a game changer. I know Don McCoshick. I think he literally just signed up for Twitter just to send this tweet out to say yeah. that the NHL should pull all contracts of Russian players right now. And I sent out a tweet saying, you know, imagine imagine the Washington Capitals right now without Ovechkin, Ilya Samsonov, Dmitry Orlov, and Kuznetsov. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the Penguins without uh, Malkin. Uh, Malkin? And then I went to I went to San Jose and I'm like, imagine the San Jose Sharks without Alexander Bear. Never mind, never mind. I'm not even gonna go there. That's the only Russian they had on their team, so I didn't even send that tweet out because I was like, well, you know, yeah. I mean, eight goals. You're not gonna really miss that, but yeah. I mean, uh, any thoughts on on those two teams leaving? I, I me personally, I, I I think it's a great response. I think when it comes to when it comes to athletics. Um, you know, it's it's a financier for for uh, governments and for them to do what they can to kind of, you know, throw sanctions on on, um, you know, obviously Russia's leader and uh, the country of Russia themselves. 
uh, one way to do that is, is through athletics. And, you know, that's not just talking hockey. We're talking, you know, uh, the IOC has been involved. Um, there's, there's two tournaments. IHF. Double IHF. There's two, two hockey tournaments supposed to be played on, on Russian soil uh, in the next, I believe it's 13 or 17 months. Um, and that's obviously that, that has to change. I, you know, I don't care who you are. If you're, if you're sitting on the board of the double IHF right now, you need, you need to find a, a resolution here because it, you cannot send athletes over to Russia and feel good about yourself. So um, again, check all your sources because there's a lot of misinformation out there right now. Um, and uh, yeah, check your sources. Don't, don't be one yeah. of these convoy nut jobs that, um, oh my God. tell you to stick to your own country because at the end of the day, there's, there's innocent people dying and, and that's what war is about. And unfortunately, um, you know, it, it's the case over in the Ukraine right now and they're holding their own. And um, like I said, we're not a political podcast, but uh, we, we do support, you know, life, not death. So yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of all I have to say about that. Uh. I mean, Wayne Gretzky said the same thing about even with the World Juniors not sending players over. And let's face it, like this this is just about basic humanity right now. Doing the right thing. Um as harsh as it is, as you know, we've seen that even like as harsh as it is, and as much as people are speaking out against it, you just gotta do the right thing. There is no way that that any of this should be happening. And you know what? If you want to make a major statement, like you said, sports is the biggest thing to do it because even a lot of teams are pulling sponsorships. Um, I believe one of one of um, biggest soccer clubs. I think one of their owners just pulled off and left because of sanctions and stuff like that. One of the F one or like uh, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of racing, but one car like stripped all of its um, Russian sponsors in in result of this and you know, Jokerit and DMO Riga are doing the exact same thing. You know, they're, they're, they're for the life of the Ukrainians. They're not for violence. They're not for war. Again, this is all just basic humanity. And I even tweeted this out. Like when, as soon as we heard everything, I'm like, my heart goes out to everyone in Ukraine. Um, simple as that. Um, it's sad that after all these years, after all the history that we've seen and heard and read in books and everything like that, we still haven't learned our lesson, not a goddamn thing. And that to me is frustrating. And I think everyone's just had enough right now. And they're sending a big message right now and kudos to Yokerit and kudos to Dinamo Riga and every other, you know, every athlete or person with a platform out there speaking out because that's, that, that's just really big. And kudos to the people in Russia who are, I mean, doing what they can under mm-hmm. um, major, major personal um, safety. Um, yeah. Their, their safety is at, at risk and, and they're trying to speak out against the president um, that really doesn't want to listen to anybody but himself. And um, you know, for that, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a real protest folks. Um, yeah. And, and, and they're doing it the right way. And unfortunately a lot of them are, are being detained and um, not sitting in a hot tub in the middle of the street, thinking that vaccines are in hot dogs. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyways, 
Anyways, we're going to jump away from the politics here because we're not a political <laughs> podcast, but uh, we do like to share our thoughts on some of that shit sometimes. Um, NHL news. Can we talk about what the hell Nathan McKinnon? Like, what? what is he <laughs> – is he juicing or what? Because, like, he gets angry so easily now. Like, threw a helmet last season. Now he's smacking a ref on the legs. Like, what the hell is going on with Nathan McKinnon? Yeah, um – Honestly, the fact that they that okay, you know, we want the NHL player safety department to do just do the right thing when something happens, right? Hit to the head, hit from behind, you know, Brad Marchand doing Brad Marchand like things. Just do the right thing. The one time, or not not the one time, but Nathan McKinnon was off a face off, and then he just slams a stick against the linesman. I mean, we, to be honest, like, I mean, I, I, I need to check the robot, but isn't that like abuse of an official where you basically whack the, whack the linesman and the NHL player safety actually said, we have always exercised a zero tolerance policy when it comes to any form of abuse to, of our officials. Um, we immediately investigated the incident and having conferred with the honest officiating crew and the NHL officials association has been determined that the player's intention was not to strike the official. So even if it wasn't intentional, you still hit him. I don't know. I, I, and, and again, I think this is where the bias is coming in right now, where maybe the stars aren't getting punished. Maybe they should, because like you use your stick as a weapon against an official. That to me is a suspension. I that that's just my take. I'm just gonna leave it at that. But that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Who was it? Dennis Weidman. I've, I want to say yeah, like six or seven years ago, just knocked the official right out. Yeah, and concussed him. Yeah, and I mean, like that was basically the end of his career. Um, I'm not saying that I want to see Nathan McKinnon's career come to an end, but like the whole thing, punishment. Yeah, the whole thing with having a stick is that. When, when you high stick somebody, they tell you, you have to be in control of, of your stick. Yeah. So regardless of the intent was there or not, like the contact was made. Um, like it's just, it, it, I, I'm laughing because it's just, uh, it's just typical <laughs> Department of Player Safety and NHL, uh, you know, like they don't, they just will not, crack down and and follow their own rules they're not following their own rules you put a rule book in place and then you don't follow it so what's the point um yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know what's in what's in you know did somebody piss in his wheaties or he's kenan's just been you know he's been something else he's been something else recently and i don't i don't know i don't know but uh yeah nathan mckinnon watch out don't uh don't piss him off um, Hampus Lindholm, there's uh, talks of his extension uh, with Anaheim. Um, there's been some mention of the Leafs. What are your thoughts on this and the possibility that he is not back with Anaheim? Uh, to be honest, if I'm the Ducks, I would want to keep Hampus Lindholm. Uh, this is a guy that's, you know, he's had his ups and he's had his downs, especially the last few years where maybe he wasn't at his best, but now he's, he seems to be back in form as like one of those top two way defensemen that they have on that team. And 
you know, to me, a priority would be to move a Josh Manson kind of thing. And because he's 30 years old, you still got a young Hampus Lindholm in your lineup who wants to be a part of this core going forward. Um, yeah, the fact that they're engaging in some sort of talks, I think, is maybe takes him off the market. But even if the Maple Leafs were in on him, I mean, is he able to play the right side? I, I don't know if he is. I haven't seen that. At least with Jacob Chikrin, we're seeing some games where he's playing on the right side and it looks absolutely great on his off wing. I, I just don't know about Hathis Lindholm, who is a left-handed shot, which may overcloud everything, given the fact that they need a right-handed or a person that could fill on the right-hand side and capable of doing that. I'm just not sure of that. Yeah, I, I think for that reason, I don't see him as a guy that the Leafs bring in. Um, that said, I mean, if, if you're Anaheim uh, with the young core that you're getting, I think this is a guy that you want to keep on because he's he's able to kind of be that veteran presence for guys like Jamie Drysdale coming in and uh, be a guy in, in the room for guys like Zegris and, and, you know, Troy Terry and, um, you know, those types of players and Mason McTavish coming up as well. Like, um, I think I think they have to find a way to get him locked up. Um, that said, you know, if you're talking about what his worth is, you know, I'm going to have to dive a little bit deeper into that because I haven't really looked at Hampus Lindholm in a long time. Um, I, you know, he, he, he is kind of getting back to form 20 points in 52 games this season. Uh, he's, you know, just 14 points shy of his, of his uh, career best coming back in 2014-15. But uh, – yeah, I mean, if you're Anaheim, I think you lock him up. You find a way to get a you know a four or five year deal done. He's only 28 years old. A lot of a lot of hockey left to play, uh, and see what he can do for your team. But I don't I don't see him as as an ad for the Leafs. Just not not really fitting into that mold for me, anyways. Um, with that said, there's one more thing I wanted to discuss. Uh, as I I mentioned to you prior to the show, I just released a. Uh, Corey Perry milestone goals and who he scored them against. Um, and uh, got got a little bit of conversation going on the Twitterverse about Corey Perry's career and, and whether he belongs in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And you know me, Peter. I've been a big critic of the Hockey Hall of Fame for a long time. Um, that said, uh, what 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 are your thoughts? He's part of the Triple Crown or Triple Gold Club. His international play speaks for itself. What he did in junior with the, the Knights, obviously the Knights are the talk of the OHL more often than not. Um, you know, he was part of that team that uh, had, I believe, a, a record, an OHL record, um, uh, 52 or like most most games undefeated in a row. I forget what the, what the number is. I'll have to look into that. But uh, what he's done at the NHL level, um, Hart Trophy winner, Stanley Cup winner, uh, is he is he a Hall of Famer in your mind? Uh, yes. Uh, you just mentioned Stanley Cup, Hart winner, Richard winner. You mentioned his international play. Um, was on that team, that dominant team in 2005 for the World Juniors, World Cup in 2016. Uh, championship in 2016 again with the World Hockey Championships and two-time Olympic gold medalist. All, all he did was win. And is he a Hall of Famer? Oh, yeah, he is. 
Yeah. Um, I'm this, this, this is where I'm on the fence. And I, I agree that he, when it comes to winning, he's done it all. I mean, I, I don't think there's any question there. Has he done enough in his career to warrant being a hockey hall of famer? And I say that because although he's won a number of awards and, and gold medals and what have you, 1145 regular season games just reached the 400 goal plateau, 846 points. He's outside the top 100 when you're talking about goals for, I believe he's outside the top 100 when you're talking about points. Um, I just, for me, there's guys that are deserving of it um, that still aren't there. And Pierre Turgeon comes to mind. Alex McGillney comes to mind. Um, I just, I don't see him being like a first ballot guy. Um, He's a guy that maybe you talk about, but I mean, again, you're talking, you're talking about a guy that, won't probably finish at the end at the end of his career i don't see him being a top 100 point guy um sydney i believe he's at what i say 846 right now so 846 yeah but he does have he already bested his total his point totals over the last two three seasons over the last two seasons where he had 21 with dallas and montreal yeah yeah no he's and he's he is having a great run right now with tampa um like like I said, thirty six years old. He's he's on he's on the back nine of his career. Mm-hmm. I mean he's 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 driving into the clubhouse very quickly. Um, I don't know, I don't know. He's 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 a bubble guy for me, and not because of not because the awards don't warrant it, but for me, it's what have you contributed to hockey? Yeah, sure. What have you done to change the game to make the game? Um, remember you, and when I when I think back on on hockey, Corey Perry is not one of the first names that come to mind. Even when you're talking about the Ducks, when you talk about the Ducks, I'm thinking Getzlav, I'm thinking uh, Korea, I'm thinking Solani, I'm thinking even Jiguer, Niedermeyer. Corey Perry's maybe like the sixth guy I think about when I when I think about the Ducks. I fair enough. I don't know. I don't like, and that's that's where the debate is. Like, I get the the I get the Stanley Cup. I get the the uh, Hart Trophy. I get the 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 gold medals. I get the international play. He's been a pest of all pests in front of the net. He scores garbage goals and and you know gives he he's he's the ultimate pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that's what made him special, though, throughout that stretch in like the like 2008 and nine to you know 2014, 15 or 15, 16. He was one of the premier power fours of the game, and was always in your face, always getting into the dirty areas and scoring a, a massive amount of goals. So let me put it this way: I I think he will get in, just not right away. I. And I'm not sure that if I had, if I was the one sitting on the board of the Hall of Fame, if I'd be the one putting him in. Fair enough. But I, I like, like I said, I'll take both. I'll, I'll take both sides because I, I do think that he's going to be a guy that gets in. I, I, I think there's no mm. question. Um, but yeah, 
it was just a, it was an interesting conversation. I felt like it was something that we could bring up on the show. Um, besides that, I think we're we're kind of closing out here on episode seventy three. Anything else you wanted to add, Peter, before we close it out for the week? Yes, I'd like to correct something last week when we were talking about the Habs and Coyotes in their first overall pick. Um, since then, that has changed. Apparently, Arizona has gone into the first overall spot and Montreal second. But I'd like to iterate it. So I think Cap Friendly, what they did was they put the conditions for both picks at the 30 spot and at the number one spot for Montreal, just in case, depending on what happens. But for that case... The Coyotes received the better of the Canadians and Carolinas first round picks. If either or both of the picks are in the top 10 of the draft, Coyotes will get the worst of the two. So because one of Montreal's picks are in that top 10, they're going to get that, that the worst of the picks overall. Gotcha. So, so that, so I just wanted to reiterate that and clarify that because when I saw that, I'm just like, wait, are they not even guaranteed their own pick? Which is why I got confused there. So Cap Friendly did it for both sections. So that way they got the 30th and the second just in case of what happened. But based on that, that is what I took from that. Beautiful. Beautiful. What uh, what can our listeners expect from you over the next week? Um, well, expect some draft more draft stuff to come out. I'm doing another mock draft and I gotta change, you know, certain things right now because changes in the standings, but also, you know, our our draft uh, draft guide. Uh, draft content is going to be coming out in full swing with the profiles. I know you, uh, you know, you got a few of your own coming as well. There you go. But uh, yeah, um, obviously least stuff. Um, I, I, I would, I, I would like to try and get maybe one more leaf article out before I start shifting my focus and majority of the draft, because that's going to be a big priority, but the leaf content is still going to be coming in and yeah, second mock draft coming up right now and and again i hope the maple leafs keep their pick because i also want this defenseman hopefully they could take beautiful beautiful yeah um another big week for the leafs as they uh they've got a lot of hockey to play ahead of them we'll see how jack campbell responds we'll see if jt's cold streak continues um quote unquote quote unquote uh, that said, guys, uh, as always, thank you for joining us on episode 73 of the podcast. You can follow Peter on Twitter at P. Barracchini. You can follow Alex in his charades on uh, A. Hobson Media. <laughs> you can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes, or you can follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. That's S T I X I N T H E 6 I X P O D. Head over to Spotify, iTunes. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you download podcasts, iHeartRadio, hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, uh, leave us your thoughts on what you think we can do on the pod, um, and make sure you download our episodes. We're closing in on 4,000 downloads, so we appreciate all the support we've gotten over the year and a half that we've been doing this. As always, check out our latest episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and bring us lots as we bring you lots of content moving forward shout out to ryan zeus fleming for our intro and until next time next week episode 74 that's it for sticks in the six